0: Welcome back to Mosaic, the podcast from Education Development Center. Mosaic is a place to explore pressing challenges in education, health, and economic opportunity around the world. I'm Bert Kronofsky, Senior Writer at EDC. With many schools temporarily closed in order to slow the spread of the coronavirus, teaching has gone online for many educators. And that's a challenge, as teaching online is simply different than teaching face-to-face. EDCs Kirsten Peterson and Zoe Baptista are both experienced online educators. In this podcast, They offer tips for building community and promoting real learning in a virtual classroom. Kirsten and Zoe, great to talk to you today. And uh, why don't you each introduce yourself for listeners? Uh, Kirsten, can you go first?
1: Sure. Hi, my name is Kristen Peterson, and I work at Education Development Center. And in my role there for the past 20 some years, I design learning experiences for a wide variety of audiences and largely focusing on online and blended ways to meet audiences' needs.
0: Great. Thanks for being here. And Zo, how about yourself?
1: Hi, I'm Zoe Baptista. I've uh, worked at Education
2: Development Center for 16 years. And in my role there, I design a lot of blended learning experiences, but I have over a decade of experience helping people teach and train in online environments.
0: Great. Well, thanks to both of you for being on the podcast today. And I should start by acknowledging the fact that we're sort of in unprecedented times now, right? Uh, Schools are closed, people are being urged to work from home. Uh, So I guess the first question is, how are both of you doing in this new reality?
1: Well, I can, I can start by saying that it's, it's pretty normal for me, to be honest, I've been working this way for most of my career at EDC, I, I think so I feel like the world is all of a sudden now joining my world of online learning and online communicating and online collaborating. So I'm finding myself answering a lot of questions.
0: <laughs> so it feels pretty normal for you, I guess. And so how have you been doing?
1: I would say the same thing. I feel like a
2: lot of people have been sort of pushed to, you know, move into online teaching and training environments. And so I've been talking to people about how to do that successfully, where to start, what's the first step, what's the second step. And so it's been really interesting. And I think there's a lot of challenge, but I also think there's a lot of interesting innovation that's going to come out at this time.
0: Great. So let's, let's really dive into the real subject at hand today, which is virtual learning. So many districts in the U.S. are trying to put education online and a lot of teachers are having to teach virtually in some capacity. I mean, we've seen this, you know, my own friend group on Facebook certainly. And, you know, I've, I've three kids who are now at home and so they're all sort of learning in different ways online. But strictly speaking, many schools are not doing what I would call a formal online education, and they're not really doing virtual schools either. So what should we even call this kind of school model that's sort of emerging across the U.S. now as schools get canceled because of coronavirus? Kirsten, do you want to take that question first?
1: Sure. I think that it's a really important question because what we're being asked to do is we're being asked to pivot and adapt. We're not being asked, and I don't think that we should be asking anyone to take everything they have and quote, put it online. And I I don't think people who've been designing carefully online and blended learning experiences for the past two decades would ever consider the idea of just taking something from a face-to-face environment and flipping it easily into a totally different environment, but it's not hard to pivot and to adapt. And teachers are very creative people. And so I think if the expectation is not to completely throw out whatever they were doing before and invent something new, but rather on how do we continue teaching the content that we were teaching, making sure our students understand what they need to understand with the new tools or New ways of communication that we have available to us right now, so I'm really in favor of thinking of it as a creative pivot
0: and so what how do you think about this current model that we're in right now?
1: I think of it a little bit a little bit
2: differently because i'm I'm interacting more with people in higher education, and one of the things that's happened just these past two weeks just to all of the the professors and uh, teachers is in colleges and universities they've been told that they have to they do have to take their stuff and put it online and so they're they're actually really in the nitty gritty of that and i think as we move forward into this you know we're going to see what they were able to move online and what they were not and as an online blended learning expert you know we we all know that that you know that that can take various forms and some things will move easily online and some things won't. But I'm also sort of thinking about just sort of the basic how-to's of like how to help these people because I feel for them. You know, it's a huge task and the colleges and universities are scrambling to sort of put things together for them and they're scrambling to put things together. And I think they were also mid-course, a lot of these people. So they're thinking, oh, I'll just continue. And I think it'll be a big challenge for them to see what, what they're going to be able to keep and what they're going to have to really, really adapt.
0: Right, so let's dig into that concept of of helping. So you're just saying you you really want to offer some help to teachers or professors who now have to do this online. So both of you have designed and led online courses and virtual trainings. Um, What are some of the biggest differences that you've seen between online or virtual teaching and face-to-face instruction? What are some things that teachers should know about this?
1: I think that for starters, clear expectations are really critical. I think also something that has been really abundantly clear, especially in our work with high school students and teachers online, is a communication plan. So kids might be digital natives and they might be very facile with technology. So they might know how to use Twitter and they might know how to use Snapchat and their cell phones, but they do not naturally check their email or reach out to their teacher when they need help. So establishing a really well-defined communication plan that your learners and your teachers and any other stakeholders who are involved really sign off on and and can follow is, is really critical. I think with online learning, It's really more about the human infrastructure than it is about the technological infrastructure. The technology, of course, matters, but ultimately, it's still about the humans behind the scene and communicating with the learners. And so making sure that you use a lot of different types of communication and that you're redundant and that you have a regular method for multiple types of check-ins. I'll stop there, but... I have a long list. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's certainly a lot there. Zoe, so what, what do you want to add to that?
1: I, I just wanted to jump in and completely
2: agree with what you were saying. I think the way that I would frame it, the way that I think about that communication structure and that setup is really for online teaching and training and blended learning environments, the two pieces of technology that that all online teachers need to have are uh, an online platform like Zoom or WebEx or Adobe Connect, where you're interacting with your students and then the other thing that you need to do it successfully is what you call, what's called a learning management system or an LMS, where you house all your materials for your students. Sometimes that's Blackboard, could be Moodle. There's a, there's a whole bunch of them out there on the market. And those two things together will be the way that you communicate chiefly with your class. And you have to train your students or your audience how to use those tools. You can't assume just because somebody is a digital native that they know how to use Blackboard or will post things there. You have to train them in how to do that. It means you're going to have to spend some time as part of your course teaching them how to use those tools and your expectations around that.
0: So I think one of the big challenges that we're seeing now is that, I mean, Zoe, you were just talking about Moodle and Blackboard and these different systems. Some school districts have rolled those out months or even years ago. And so people are, are used to using that or they're used to this sort of blended form of instruction where some, they have some face-to-face instruction and then some virtual instruction. But now we're in the situation where a lot of districts have basically shut down and teachers are being told, all right, you're at home, your students are at their own home, you have to find a way to use technology to connect with them. So I want to jump into some of the best practices for learning and teaching in this new weird online or hybrid environment. If you were talking directly to teachers who might not be able to use Blackboard or Moodle but have to connect with their students somehow what would you tell them are there are there some best practices for learning and teaching in this in this new environment that we we have right now
1: i think that some of the most important things one it, we we know this about designing for any audience but it it certainly is important for high school students especially and that's knowing your students and knowing how they best communicate and best learn. So we've done a lot of work where we've had teachers do needs assessments right away, even if they've been teaching these kids face-to-face or or college students face-to-face for a period of time. Doing a simple Google form where you might ask some questions about what tools do you use to communicate with your friends? What do you use to communicate with your parents? What strategies do you use when something is due to remind yourself? So, things like that enabled us to set up tips for students, such as having students set Reminders on their cell phones for certain times to check in with their teacher by email, set email updates. So when they get an email that comes from their teacher, it will automatically give them a notification on their phone. So things like that have come by doing a needs assessment. Also, I think when lots of districts or even universities may not have access to course management systems or may not have them rolled out all the way. But Google is absolutely ubiquitous and everyone knows how to use it. Creating a Google document where you give all of your learners access to it and you post updates and you allow them to put comments or questions is one way to communicate and to provide information So, and you can set up almost an entire, without a course management system, an entire learning environment with content just housed creatively in Google Drive and Docs and using freely available tools.
2: Another thing, too, to talk about a different area of this is with the online teaching training platform like Zoom, you want to spend the first few times that you get all your students in there teaching them what the platform looks like going over where it is your presentation area what the where the participant list is don't assume that they know how to use it have them each send you a chat for example and then also describe how you're going to use this platform to communicate with them set the rules inside that learning environment just the same way you would in a class, because that's the chief tool you're going to be using in those live classes to talk to them. And then the other thing I would just warn everybody about, because I know that it throws people off if they haven't taught and trained online, is that it can feel very lonely. It's almost more like hosting a radio show than teaching a class, because you don't have the body language feedback. And so it's, it can be jarring. And there's a lot of things you can do to compensate for that, but getting used to that feeling when you're first doing it is a little can throw some people off.
0: Those are really good tips for helping people understand how to how to make this transition to learning online, because I think it, it is a very different environment than the classroom environment, certainly. So all students learn differently in the face-to-face classroom. Are there any best practices for differentiating instruction in online learning? Or should we assume that online learning is sort of a, a one-size-fits-all model here?
1: I think that online learning can actually have some really nice advantages for differentiating instruction and that's something we've really found over the years in our work and one of the reasons is because you have a lot of different ways both to disseminate your content and for students or learners to demonstrate their understanding. So as long as you as the instructor provide options and choices for your learners Visual learners can create things in in a slides using their cell phones. Can draw, take pictures, can can create things visually. They can also, like we're doing right here with a podcast, they can record audio and demonstrate their understanding that way. It's easy to be a read and write environment like we do in the regular classroom with Google Docs. It's even nicer when you have collaborative tools and you can allow co-editing, co-design, and immediate teacher feedback. And like Zoe was talking about, with synchronous sessions that are done in a webinar-based tool like Zoom or WebEx or Adobe Connect, you can have all of those different types of video, audio, read-write, and even collaboration if you move people into breakout rooms and allow them to communicate in small groups and then come back to the larger group? I
2: would, I'm would. i not going to add too much because I think you said it beautifully, Kirsten, but I would just say that I try to record every single session um, that I lead and put that into uh, some kind of LMS to give to my audience because I think then they can go back and listen to everything that I've shown them they, they have a video recording and an audio recording of everything I taught them. And I think that that makes the learning stickier for students and for people who may need to hear things a few times or, you know, be able to go back. So that's just another way, another example of how we can actually use online environments to differentiate learning and really help all kinds of students. I think there's a million examples and I think it has so much innovation potential. And it's one of the reasons I love online teaching and training.
1: Yeah, I think there's one other thing to just throw in here, and that's that it really allows for reflection. We learned this in grad school when in my face-to-face class where I was a teaching fellow, there were only certain people who would always respond. And, And in fact, the students where English wasn't their first language, their papers were beautiful, but they didn't usually respond right away in class discussions. And I noticed when we set up And a threaded discussion, which was very innovative back then, that all of a sudden, these three or four students were the first to reply and had these amazingly thoughtful responses. And and I realized that these people just needed a little bit of time to think about what they were going to say. And then all of a sudden, they were on an absolute level playing field with The sort of the front row Joes, you know, like me, who would be responding to everything right away before they were even thinking. And so I really feel that that that's a powerful, powerful thing about online learning that that's carried through over the years.
0: Right. So both of you have given some really good tips today. And I just want to know, do you have any recommendations for other resources or websites or books to read where teachers can go to just, you know, learn more and and get better at the craft?
2: I was thinking about this and it's kind of a weird suggestion, but <laughs> the thing that I would do if you want to learn more about online teaching and training is actually sign up for an online class that has some live elements and has some has some handouts and stuff because then you get the what i call the meta experience where you are taking a class to learn something you know i hope maybe ceus that you need to get or a piece of knowledge that you'd like to learn something you'd like to learn more about and then you get to see how does the online teacher and trainer handle when you first come into the platform, what do they tell you? How do they handle handing out the homework assignments? What LMS do they use? How does that work for you? What do you like about that experience? What do you hate about that experience? And, and really self-reflect on that because it will make you better at, at teaching and training online.
0: That's really good advice. Kirsten, what about you?
1: I I totally agree with Zoe, and I often do that. You can really EdX, Udemy, Coursera. You can go to any of those and sign up for something and get a sense of it, and you will see what you like and what doesn't sit with you, but well with you. But you'll get a lot more um, sort of arrows in your quiver. The other things I would say is. Go on Twitter and just search for online learning, online PD, ed tech, and be sort of a follower for a while, but you'll start picking up people who you really respect and you like, and you're interested in what they're saying or what they're sharing, and you can follow those people.
0: Kirsten and this has been really interesting. It's been a fabulous conversation. I've learned a lot and it's given me a lot to think about as, as I help my own three kids figure out how to learn online for the foreseeable future, I guess. So I wanted to thank you very much for coming on the podcast today and, uh, and good luck with everything.
2: Thank Thanks you. for having us.
0: Thanks for listening to Mosaic. To learn more about EDC's work to support online and virtual learning in schools, visit us online at edc.org.